and welcome back to the Curiosity Chamber. This is Season 3, Episode 23, and if you are a listener of the podcast, if you can go ahead and leave a review and a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, it helps the channel out immensely. We greatly appreciate that. And without further ado, let's get into our next guest, shall we? With me today is the founder of Master Talk, a YouTube channel he started to help the world master the art of public speaking and communication. He helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs achieve their milestones in life and master their message. This is Brendan Kumarasamy. And we're live. What's up, Brendan? Thanks for doing this, man. Hey, Jay. The pleasure is absolutely mine, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, a uh, little little late night session here in the Chicago land. Where are you located? Montreal. So I'm an hour ahead of you. Oh dang! Okay, is this normally what your time looks like when you're doing things like eleven o'clock at night, ten o'clock at night? Oh yeah, man. I'm a I'm a late I'm a late bloomer. I always wake <laughs> up at like nine or ten a.m. and then I work like a twelve hour shift, and this is my last one. But this is not really work. This is just fun. So yeah, yeah. This is this is gonna be a good time. Uh, what time do you go to sleep at usually? Usually midnight, midnight, 1 a.m. Yeah, yeah, same here. I'm usually like midnight, 1 a.m., and then I'll wake up at like 8.30, and I feel good. I mean, there was, oh, there's your trials and tribulations with that stuff, man, trial and error. I mean, I used to, when I was young, dude, I used to go to sleep at like 3 or 4 a.m. and then wake up at 7 feeling like complete shit and not being able to take on the day. You ever done that? Oh, yeah, I've done the same thing as you when I was younger, for sure. It was just me. It was more 1 a.m., and then I'd wake up at 5, so similar amount of sleep. <laughs> different times. You, you, can't, you can't live like that. It's not a good way to do it. Like, you feel it in your brain, for sure. Like, the words won't come out, and, you know, that's kind of what this podcast is about. It's about public speaking and speaking in general. Um so let's get into that, man. So, so public speaking, uh, I see you make videos on YouTube about public speaking. What, what, what kind of things can we expect if we were to watch those videos? Like, can you give us a high level of public speaking and what it means to you? Yeah, for sure, man. And I'll give you the origin story too while we're at it. Yeah. So what happened was when I was in college, man, I, I did these things called case competitions. I went to business school. Mm-hmm. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. Hell yeah. So while other guys my age were playing football or basketball or baseball, some of the dangerous thing you probably wouldn't see me doing, I was doing presentations competitively, Jay. Nice. That's how I learned how to speak. I okay. appreciate the sport, man. <laughs> You're like, nice. Most people are like, <laughs> All those guys are brain dead now that we're playing football, so good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Fair facts, man, facts. So so that's how I learned how to how to speak. I would do these these business competitions in front of senior executives of companies when I was like 21 years old, 20. And then a few years went by and I had the idea for the channel, not for anything fancy. I just realized everything that I was sharing out of university slash college wasn't really available to other college students for free. So I just started making videos in my mom's basement. And then a few years later, it turned into like this crazy business where I coach a lot of CEOs and executives. And I do Jesus, man. Yeah. Got crazy life. Entrepreneur spirit in you, huh? Yeah, and, it, and I never thought I did, man. I always thought I was going to be an executive at a company, which is what I did. I worked at IBM for like almost three years. Yeah. But the master talk idea, that YouTube channel, it just turned into something I never imagined where I got a lot of clients, for the executives primarily, who were watching my videos years That's crazy. later. Yeah, man. And I just replaced all my income. So here we are, man. Yeah, so... 
is it like a niche would you say like how or was the challenge just so good that you were driving in traffic organically I mean, I like to think that the channel was so good, but to be honest, man, it's <laughs> I, I think it was more because you have to keep in mind, Jay, there's this great mm-hmm. quote by this guy named Kevin Kelly. It's called Thousand True Fans. And basically what Kevin argues, Jay, is you don't need a million followers to make a full time living. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you an example, the one that he gave and I'll that I'll use me as an example. So let's yeah. say you're a musician, right? And mm-hmm. you do these concerts or you sell albums and stuff and you got like, I don't know, 10,000 plays like from 10,000 different people. Right. If a thousand of those people spend a hundred bucks on you a year, that means they go to, let's say, three of your concerts for like 30 bucks each, 40 bucks each. They buy a few of your albums mm-hmm. and a thousand people do that. Dude, you're making a hundred grand a year. Like, sure. that's it. You're done. Whereas in my case, it's not a thousand true fans, Jay. It's a hundred true fans because okay. my packages are thousands of dollars. So if I get like a hundred ah. executive or not even hundred, like 25 executives, I'm done. And that's exactly what happened. Got you. Brilliant. That's cool, man. Um, so when it comes to public speaking, can a one-on-one conversation be categorized as public speaking, like a stranger in public? I mean, technically, that's considered public speaking, right? Yeah, everyone's got their own opinion on this. For me, it would fall under the category of public speaking communication. And yeah. the reason is because my definition of communication, which is the same as public speaking, is mm-hmm. simply the ability to share an idea to achieve a specific outcome to a specific audience. Right. But that audience could be an audience of one where you're trying to convince your girlfriend that we should have Mexican food tonight, not Chinese food. <laughs> Speaking of food, man, I had a, a steak right before you got on. and I put some jalapeno peppers on it. <laughs> your fancy guy. I ate a ho- I ate a ho- it was delicious, man. But at the end, I was getting a little risky. So I, I, ate, the ho- I ate the jalapeno, man, and... Dude, right you're crazy. Out, my nose was dripping like all systems were shutting down <laughs> did you cook it yourself <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah oh yeah man dude you're a legend you're like a you're like a <laughs> ladies magnet unless you're gay in that case i excuse my <laughs> no 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 just uh just alone <laughs> you can never assume these days you know what i mean you can never no assume. you're right you're right better yeah. safe than sorry right because yeah, this point Everyone's got a gun pointed at you these days. So. <laughs> You're not kidding, man. How did we get to that point? Yeah, geez, who knows? I, I think it's just... Social media or what? I, I think it's just divisiveness. You know, like 50 years ago, uh, what? Well, not that I was alive 50 years ago. You know, let's say we take Democrats and Republicans. People would disagree with each other, but they would still, you know, have their kids play in the same playgrounds and talk to each other. Yeah, right. But now it's like people aren't even willing to have the conversation, which I think is ridiculous. That's why I like people like Joe Rogan because you yeah, know whether you like way. him or not, he's willing to have conversations with people he fundamentally disagrees with, and I think that's powerful. Right, right, yeah, he's willing to hear everybody out. It seems like, and nowadays, like especially in America, like if someone puts a Trump hat on, like that's kind of like a signal, right? Like, don't fucking come up to me if you're a Democrat. Don't talk to me. Isn't that nuts like, though? Like, it's, it's crazy. crazy. It's batshit crazy crazy man (laughs) so how did you become consumed by public speaking like did you always know that you wanted to to do something with public speaking nah man it's it's definitely a good question so when i was younger if you had asked me what i wanted to be when i was 12 everyone you know they got those yearbooks and some people go yeah i want to be an astronaut like a stand-up comedian you know what i answered I, I answered accountant, man. 
No, you didn't. <laughs> I swear. I swear. And the, the reason is because I was really good at math and I was really shit at everything else. So it was really simple. And and for me back then, it was I was really <laughs> pragmatic even as a 12-year-old because my parents were factory workers. So I was like, yo, I'm not oh, here yeah. to, to be a YouTube YouTuber. That's for like rich white kids. Like for right, me, right. it's what's the sensible path that will make me money so I can retire my mom. That was my focus. Even at, at 12, that was what yeah. I wanted to do. You yeah, go ahead, so jump you- in. You have a different mind on you, it seems like, than most people. For sure, like, the uh, that YouTube and the social media people, like, yeah, it was mostly, like, rich white kids, dude. Like, their parents would give them money to go fool around, get out of my hair, go make a video or something, and then they would use all their resources and make these videos and pump them out. Exactly, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah, man. So for me, what happened was communication was never something I thought I was good at, bro. Because when I was younger – I studied my whole life in French because I'm based in in Montreal in Canada Mm -hmm. and in Montreal, as we say, you need to know how to speak French. So my whole life I was presenting in a language I didn't know. So I never, yeah, exactly. So I never thought I was like (laughs) a great speaker. It was really an accident, dude. Like when I went to university, I was really gun ho on getting a job at IBM or one of the big four accounting firms like PricewaterhouseCoopers or Deloitte, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then as I started doing the the motions to get the job, I realized yeah. that you actually had to do these case competition thinking of bobs that I didn't know about. And that's what accidentally made me really good at communication. It goes such a long way, man. Like public speaking, communicating in general, you it's a necessity in my eyes. I don't know if the younger generation feels like that nowadays because everything is texting and you get so many characters on Twitter to use. But (laughs) dude, when I was, um, so I go to the gym, uh, quite frequently. And every time I go to the gym, it's self check-in, but there's someone behind the desk and I'm not even lying, dude. Every time I go there, the person doesn't say hi, does not make eye contact with me at all. Back when I was young, working a job like that, like I'm always saying hi. I'm always trying to like manually check you in or like seeing how's it going, making eye contact with you. There was like a, a, you couldn't have your phone out, first of all, but everyone just seems to like be on their phones nowadays and they don't give a shit. It seems like from my point of view, just so consumed. I, I love that, man. You know the way I think about it. I don't blame the younger generation because we're both we're both still young. I'm, I'm assuming you're in your 20s too. That's my guess. 34. You're 34? I'm a grown-ass man. What? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's like yeah. the biggest shock of my we life. We got to end this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I am shocked that you're 34. Yeah, I, well, a lot of people are shocked when they hear my age for sure. You know what I love though is that you have the energy of someone who's 10 years younger, which I appreciate. Yes. So that's awesome, man. <laughs> appreciate it. Really good stuff, man. So so anyway, so let's take my generation because I'm 26. Okay. So for for me, I think when, when, when people were much younger, younger the piece is it's not really around the generation it's the idea of optionality so let's Ah. say 20 years ago if you want to ask a girl out on a date Mm -hmm. well in that situation you don't really have an option you got to go up to her and you got to ask true but now you can swipe you can text you can do stupid things like sending dms instead of being a man just going in front of her and asking around on a date right so because (laughs) of that there's a lot of optionality and people love convenience so people are just opting out yeah, that's a that's a very good point and actually a real life use case. This actually happened to me, man. It was the strangest thing. And this is when I kind of knew that I was in a new era. So I was at the bar after a softball game and 
this girl came up to our table and she was kind of flirting with all all of us. There was about six of us. And was, <laughs> That's not a good yeah, sign. She, 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 was, she was aggressive. She was all aggressive. six of you at the same time. <laughs> all six of us. She was aggressive. What kind of bar is this, bro? <laughs> what kind of softball bar is this? I can't tell you. <laughs> but she, she, okay, so she makes her way to me and she was kind of cute. So I was interested. I'm single. I don't give a shit. And we started talking. <laughs> and to your point exactly, dude, I'm like, I'm 34. She's like, no, you're not. Let me see your ID. So she wants to card my ass. So I'm like, let me see your ID. So we share. It's so stupid. We shared each other's IDs. She's like, oh my God, you, you are 34. And she was 25. That's great. Yes. <laughs> did, you, did you share each other's blood type too? It, pretty close, man. So like toward the end, I'm like, let me take you out. Let's go out. And she didn't like, she didn't want to give me her phone number. She wanted me to give her my Instagram account. There was mm. no phone number exchange. It was about social media. She wanted my social media. Mm. Have you been through that? Like, is that what it is nowadays? Like, let me get your TikTok. Let me get your Instagram. Did not want my fucking phone number. Like, I was let, so blown away. Let me get your Twitter. You know, <laughs> you don't want that. You know, you know. I wish. I wish. I wish I was competent enough to answer the question. But the truth is, dude, I've been single my whole life. I don't really date because I just focus on the business. Why do you think I got this far in life so quickly? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. You're not missing anything, man. Like I've been single for going on like five or six years i was married and then got really? divorced yeah so i got married at about it only lasted for three years but i've been divorced since i was like around 30 years old and since then i've been focusing on my career this podcast and just bettering myself and quite honestly man i've never felt better that's awesome man yeah so and I'm not trying to like offend the women out there or anyone, but it's, it's nice to kind of have your space. I feel like I don't, I shouldn't even go down this path, but <laughs> there's a neediness sometimes where you, you would have to give up some of your, some of your things, right? Some of your passions and <laughs> Brent, you wouldn't be the person you are today. If you were dating someone, I, I presume. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that one, Jay. Here, here's the way that here's the way I think about it. I think there's great women in the world. I think there's great men in the world. I think there's a lot of dick men in the world. I think there's a lot of stupid women in the world, right? So I think I think it's both both sides of the spectrum exist, right? So I think going into like marriage and relationships, I think the reason I've never done it is because it's the riskiest gamble in the world. Right. You're you're putting yourself in a situation where you don't really know someone and you're signing a contract that's supposedly supposed to last for life. That's pretty wild. Yes. So I think the key is it depends on your goals, too. Like for me, having children is a very important milestone in my life. And once again, no judgment for people who don't want kids. So for that, I know, you know, having a significant other is important, but it's a decision I'll take my time with. Right. Like, for example, like I'll probably spend years dating when the business is successful enough where I don't need to actually run it, run it like the way I do now, because now it's like 24 seven. Right. This is like what my 20th, uh, what 15th call just today. Like it's pretty wild day today. But but I think the key is like you got to take a few years to make that decision. And I'll probably sign a prenup and a postnup before I do those kinds of things. So, yeah. Right. And what you said makes complete sense. Yes, yes, I agree. But to the fact that if you were to date someone, say you were 18, 19, 
do you think that you would be the same person you are today with this business? Uh, okay, great question. Okay, it depends, bro. Like it's hard. It's hard it's to very get. Very difficult. <laughs> it's hard. So here's what I'll say statistically. Let's go into that. Not not too like statistics, but I think generally speaking, the answer would be no, because most people you shouldn't be married to. <laughs> right? That's what or, I wrote or... now, man. Like what are the odds? Because when you date, you like obviously that first one statistically is not gonna be the one. You don't even know what the fuck you like. So you're Correct. just dating to see like what's out there. That's you know. correct, especially for my 18-year-old self. Like, think about mm-hmm. thinking about every woman that rejected me, except for maybe one. I look back at my life and I go, like, thank God they rejected me right. in hindsight. But, like, having said that, there's still that 1% to 2% chance where you might have been lucky. But I think my perspective is I'm not sure if I would have been the same person I am today. But what I am sure of in the future is a relationship is definitely something I want. I just mm-hmm. need to work at it like sales. Like I need to date hundreds of women, not do anything crazy with them, but right, really right. meet a lot of people and optimize for the right person. Because yeah, I know she's I'm, out there. You just got to put them in the time. Yeah, just understand what you like about having another person next to you and with you. Like these these things take time. You cannot rush into it. You cannot just jump into it. Hundred percent. I think it's all about understanding the end game. And once again, everyone's life is different. But I think for me, when I think of my eighty-five-year-old self, my ninety-five-year-old self, I I wouldn't want to not have grandkids and have right. sons and daughters and a family, even if my wife might be alive or dead at that point. But yes. I I wouldn't want to just be sitting with like ten million dollars in in my mattress in alone <laughs> in a house. Right. Right, you know, so so I think given that reality, it's like okay, well, I got I should optimize for a girlfriend eventually, but you know, it's fine. Things take time, and I'll take mine. It's another interesting topic. Is do you think money you had brought up, you know, putting ten million dollars away under your mattress or or what have you? But do you think that money makes you happy? For sure, I definitely think it does. And the uh, but to only a certain <laughs> extent. Cab, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a caveat because because nothing is always a hundred percent, right, bro? Exactly. Like it's always, it's always gray. Yeah. yeah, everything. It's always gray. So money solved a lot of my problems in life, and and there's still more money that I want to solve a bunch of other. Well, not a bunch of problems, but just to make my life better. But I I, I think there's a certain extent. For example, like if you're trying to get money to be happy. Like, oh, if I have money, then I'll be happy. Then you're screwed because you're supposed to be happy right now in the moment, regardless of how bad your life is or how good it is. But then after you make money, you also have to realize that a lot of the things that you have in life, once you start buying them, that stuff goes away really quickly too. So what's my point of view? I think my point of view is I think money should be the priority of one's life until they have enough where they can sustainably live. And then the priority should then shift to other areas of life. Well thought out. Have, yeah. you've, have you spent many hours thinking about this or was this Dude, just kind of – forget yeah. hours, man. I've spent my whole life thinking about this. <laughs> it's important, man, because sometimes money money can do two things, I feel like. It can enhance the person that you – already are or it can change you completely Mm, i hmm, i i agree i agree it it can definitely be one of the two i think the more likely outcome is it amplifies the person you already are in the sense that if you knew how to control money you were always a good person you were smart with it as you get more of it generally speaking 
because that assumes sure. that you were smart enough to get it. That's that's different than winning the lottery. That's, that's why what a lot I'm of, wrong with it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because yes. a lot of people who are lottery winners and professional athletes, people don't need to take my word for this, Jay. People can just do Google oh, research. statistics. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they just go broke after three years because they don't know how to handle the energy of money because they didn't yes. earn that cash. So, yeah. Yeah, I think – I'm not sure how the schooling system is up north by you, but – out here, they do such a terrible job about teaching you how to manage money. Is it better in Canada? No, unfortunately not. The only difference yeah. I think between Canadians and Americans is Canadians just bully less and are nicer. But other <laughs> than that, it's still it's still the same system that isn't as sophisticated as it could be. Would you think that the the schooling system, and I'm talking about uh, high school mostly, is preparing the mass majority for labor jobs like working at a factory? I think so. I, I definitely think most – well, I mean the education system was initially designed for factory workers, right, Jay? Yeah, yeah. That's, that was the initial kind of design around it. So, of course, in today's age, what we act, what employers actually want or what the best jobs actually need versus what the education system teaches is completely different. But I do think education mm. serves a very clear purpose that I think a lot of people kind of shit on college and all this stuff, but they don't talk about the positives. Obviously, in the U.S., it's a different math game because you're spending like a ridiculous amount of money on university, which isn't the same metrics in Canada. Because you, you it's crazy, man. Yeah, like I graduated debt free. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and I wasn't on a scholarship because the fees are much lower here. That's unheard of out here. That that's yeah. not in our vocabulary. Yeah, definitely not. It's crazy. So yes. for us, you know, I think the biggest utility that college and high school and all these things have is social circles. It's networking. Agreed. It's meeting people. Yes, and yes. That's that's priceless. But obviously, something has has to give. I mean, fifty thousand dollars for is crazy. But in Canada, the math makes sense most of the time, in my opinion. Yeah, I couldn't agree more about the networking. Like going away to college and meeting these people. Yeah, networking is everything. I'm in sales as well, and it's just it's everything, man. So, public speaking with when it comes to back to high school or college, it seems like it's one of the most terrifying experiences people can do. For Would sure. you agree with that? Yeah, man. And let me elaborate on that point. There, there's a reason why we're all scared of communication. It has very little to do with us. It has everything to do with the education system since we're on the topic. Think about it, man. All the presentations we give in our life are mandatory, different, and punishable. Let me give you an example. <laughs> one, right. they're mandatory. We don't wake up one morning and go, yo, Jay, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Nobody True. says that, right? Exactly. <laughs> so two, the second piece is you never get to pick the topic. It's never, Jay, what are you passionate about? What do you want to talk about? It's right. always, hey, yeah, you got to talk about Shakespearean poetry. And then tomorrow you got to talk about the history of Missouri. And you're like, I don't live in Missouri. Like what? You're right. right? And you got to give these random presentations. And then the third piece that makes absolutely no sense, Jay, is every presentation is tied to a bloody punishment. Mm -hmm. So when you don't do a great job, you lose 25% of your grade. Like, how does that make any sense? Yeah. So, so every memory we have of communication is negative. So we think it's like doing the dishes and we treat it like a chore. Yeah, you're right. That What do you think the uh, the worst part is? The punishment? Like, is that what everyone's kind of lingering on? Like, oh, man, it, it's got to be good. It's got to be perfect. Otherwise, 25% of my grade is just down the shitter. Oh, I better not mess this up. So you're already going into this this speech with complete fear and stress, which is no way to present. 
literally 100%. You're absolutely right. And let me draw an analogy to help us get this better. Think sports, right? So what's your favorite sport, Jay, if you, if you watch sports? Like hockey. Probably okay, like right. you. Awesome. <laughs> so, so when you were a kid, did you play hockey a lot with your friends and stuff, like on the street or on the ice? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So when in the re- and the reason I bring that up, Jay, is the memories that you have as a kid with hockey are all positive for the most part. Right. It's like you're playing, you're having fun, you're watching hockey games with your family, it might be your parents, maybe your friends. So you grow up with those positive memories. Right. But in communication, literally every memory we have as kids is all negative. I have I've yet to find someone who can say, like, actually, these three memories over here were really positive when I gave a presentation. Most of them are negative, so we grew up with those negative feelings. Yeah. No, yeah, you're spot on. That makes so much sense. Damn. Damn, they really messed up. <laughs> <laughs> There's such a better way to go about it. I'm just thinking you're opening a lot of doors in my mind that I'm starting to go like left and right and understand a bunch of different things. Um, so how could you like recircuit your brain essentially? I guess since it's it's we already have like this this past fixi- fixation of like public speaking bad. Like there's already that grain in your mind that's so deep in the trenches how do you recircuit that rewire it absolutely man great question so a couple of thoughts on this one is a mindset and the other ones are tactics so let's start with the mindset the mindset is to ask ourselves empowering questions around communication to break that old habit we used we have as uh, we learned as kids so the question is simply this how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator You know, we never think to dream about our communication skills or look at it in a positive light because right now we see it as like a chore, like doing the dishes. Whereas this question makes us go, huh, like if I got really good at communication, maybe I would go on more dates. Maybe I would have a better relationship with my family. Maybe I'd get more money at work. And that starts helping us to think in the right direction. Yeah. I started learning that recently that like we were talking before networking and having these conversations, they open up new doors. So in my eyes, public speaking is, is paramount really Uh, like the doors and opportunities open. If you, if you have the chance to speak publicly, like people always come up to you afterwards and they, they like to have a little chat with you. I mean, from what I've noticed and you know, whether it's a wedding where you're the best man or the maid of honor doing a speech or giving a presentation for school, a business seminar, et cetera, et cetera. New doors always seem to open when you put yourself out there. Absolutely, man. And that's what's nice about speaking. It doesn't even have to be like in front of a thousand people. Just the conversation we're having right now, one-on-one conversation. You know, we're we're meeting each other because we both decided to communicate our ideas to the world. And just that is enough. So just being willing to speak in smaller settings allows you to scale the same message to a lot of people at the same time. So you can meet a lot more people along the way. Are you worried that people are forgetting how to communicate properly with people in this era? I I do get worried about it. That's why all my information is free, Jay, because we're losing the art of communication, yeah. especially person to person. But the other piece as well that's important to mention is we never had it in the first place. Even people 30, 50 years ago weren't that great communicators either. Mm, okay. I, I think it's more about like it, it's just dwindling. It's worse than it used to be, but it was still bad before. But I think the other piece to that, which is even more important, is like no one is actually teaching people to see communication in a positive lens. Because if we just made that small change, it's not that hard. 
to fix communication for most people, in my opinion. If we can just make those simple changes, we can definitely expedite this process. What are your thoughts on the internet? Just when I say internet, social media, obviously, like, is it deteriorating how humans communicate because there's no facial expressions, which in my mind is huge in communication and things get taken out of context all the time. It's impossible to detect sarcasm. It it seems like everything we want to do to communicate is done through text and I hate it. <laughs> I, I think for me, Jake, social media is a tool, right? It's just most people are using the tool in the wrong way. So let's start with the negatives. Of course, there, there's a bunch of negatives that we can list out, which is, you know, uh, we're not spending enough in-person conversations, spending too much time texting to each other. We're getting distracted by the feed. We're watching a bunch of nonsensical videos that aren't adding value to our life. <laughs> yes. There's also a lot of positives that people don't think about. I met a lot of my best friends to social media. So, so if podcasting, these types of mediums never existed, A, we never have met, and B, I never would have met the other people that I'd met through podcasting or social. And I wouldn't even have a YouTube channel because YouTube wouldn't exist. That's the another big pro to social is it's a lot easier to find the people who should be in your tribe. So for example, if you're if you're like very into yoga, it's really easy for you to go on Facebook and find a yoga group in your city and just go to their meetups. Like it's so simple or on the internet. So I definitely think social media has a massive pros that I've been a beneficiary of, by the way. But yeah. I think the key is you got to know how to use it. And if you don't know how to use the screwdriver and you put it in the wrong, mm-hmm. you know, you use it, you use the wrong tool for the wrong reason. I mean, of course you won't get the benefits. It's just, Yeah. You're an optimist, are you not? <laughs> Seems like everything that you say is very optimistic, which is fucking awesome. We need more people like that. I think optimism is the only way forward. I don't even see it as like I'm an optimist. I see it as the only choice that makes sense. Because what is pessimism going to give us in life? We're like, okay, everyone's going to die. The whole thing. Okay, so now what? You know, there's there's the whole there's this great quote by David Sachs, uh, the guy who started Yammer. It's like this. A company tech company that got sold to Microsoft for like a billion and change. And, and David <laughs> said something. Yes, he said something really cool. He said, pessimists get to be right and optimists get to be rich and successful. I was on a run the other day and I was, I was having such a deep thought about this, about being a pessimist or an optimist. And in my mind, I was like, obviously being an optimist is like your life will probably turn out better because you know you have a positive mindset but then on the contrary i was thinking well being a pessimist at least you're willing to try but you kind of have this negative outlook of how it's going to go you're still willing to try so in my mind while i was doing this run i was like so deep in thought i'm like it would be the worst to just not be any of them just to not care (laughs) you know what i mean just to not care means you're not even gonna try you just you already gave up just like being a nihilist basically yeah 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 i mean that's fair i i think for me the best i think the smartest human beings i've met in my life are pessimistic short-term optimistic long-term interesting so they're optimistic about the future. And this is by Gary Tan. This is not for me. It's a, it's a successful okay. tech investor. 
he says that the best founders or just people in general, they're optimistic about the long-term future, mm-hmm. but they're pessimistic short-term, which means like they're worried about the day-to-day things that prevent them from achieving the long-term success. And I think most people either are not as nuanced, but for the most part lie in the pessimism category. Because if you're pessimistic too long, Jay, you might care a little bit in the short term, but eventually you'll give up without a long-term vision. Like think about the shit I went through to build MasterDog. It took me two and a half years to get to 10,000 subscribers. It was a shit show. I spent tens of thousands of dollars of my <laughs> yeah. own money. Like yes. if I was an optimistic about the future, like fuck, I would have nothing to show for. I would just be like a schlub doing regular shit. <laughs> you, so how long did it take before you started getting some traction? Do you mean traction as in money or traction as in followers or followers? Both? Let's not even talk about the money. I think followers gives you confidence to keep on going. So at, at first, that's what you'd want to see, I'd imagine, unless you just wanted to see money right away. I don't each person's different. Each but person's let's different. Let's say followers yeah. first. Sure. I would say followers. So me was a bit different of a situation where I actually got a thousand subscribers in four months pretty quickly. Damn, but, son. But let me be very clear about how that happened, because a lot of people yeah. don't know the story. Because people think it's like the algorithm that helped me and said, I choose you. No, no, no. It, <laughs> I, 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 I talked to 2,000 people. I said, hey, like subscribe to my YouTube channel. Like I hustled Got you. for okay. that first 1,000. Yes. For 1 to 10,000 though was, was a bitch. I think it took me like from another two years to get to 10K. And that was it. That was really like hustling, going on a shit ton of podcasts, yeah, going yeah. to events, getting my clients to promote us to their companies, like really, really hustling. And if I wasn't optimistic, there's no way in hell I would have reached 10K. True. Yeah, you, you you have to hustle. You have to hustle nowadays, man. If you have a business or anything, you have to hustle. Otherwise, it happens too often where people aren't seeing results right away and they just give up. And it could oh, have been man. great. It could have been amazing. Whatever like your project was could have been amazing if you hung on for just a little bit longer. That's why optimism is so important, man. That's the biggest thing. Because if you're not optimistic, you won't hustle eventually. Yeah. You'll be like, shit, like, what's the point of all this? And that's really the key. You got to be an optimist. If there's someone out there who who has no confidence about what they're doing, like they're putting out a bunch of content and they're not seeing anything grow and it's kind of like just stale, right? But they're still putting out content. Are there things? some tools or some goals they can set to kind of give them that confidence back instead of just giving up like something along the road to look forward to. Absolutely, man. I would say the biggest advice I would give, and this is the biggest mistake content creators make in general by far is they try and make content for a million people instead of one person. Like, Mm. think about it. Did I really think Jay, let's be honest here. Did I really think the people that watch my stuff today would be as big for communication, public speaking videos. Like what the hell? Like who's going to watch that? Right. So why did I start it? I didn't start it for millions of people. And even if I don't have millions of people watching my stuff now, I started it for my local university. Cause I said, Oh, there's a problem here. Like all of these, like when you went to college 10 years ago, I think YouTube was just getting started. Right. Right. In that era, like there's no communication YouTube videos. No. You can't you can't go <laughs> online and even today I would argue a lot of the videos out there, except maybe mine and like a few other channels that I like, they're they're really shit. Like it's like picture everyone in their underwear. I was like, come on, like this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Have some respect for yourself. Yeah, it's like what if they're attractive? What do you do? Look at them and then get arrested? <laughs> so yeah, it just it just makes no sense. So for for me, 
even if I, I didn't expect my subscriber count to be what it is today, when I had started the channel, I knew 20 to 25 people were going to watch my content religiously, even if I was shit. Because they would listen to me for the quality of my content. Right. And 25 just turned into 50, man. And then it turned to 100 and 200 and it just kept doubling. And I stayed consistent. So I'd say my advice for content creators is don't just make random shit. Yeah. Really start thinking about what are the edges that I have as a content creator. Like I'm not going to make vlogs like Casey Neistat. I don't have that talent. But I, I, am, I have a brain. I have a mind. And I have thought leadership. An angle of communication that I don't think people have in my industry. Like the point about the education system, the question I asked earlier, that's stuff I made up. So I was like, I definitely have an edge here. Let me focus in on the people who actually want to hear from me, like you and other people, and definitely. pour into them and be willing to have hour-long conversations. Even today is stuff that principle. I mean, look at us. We've been talking for like an hour, like 40 minutes. I'm right. still showing up the same way I did three years ago. That's the mindset. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that consistency is a major key? Dude, One it's of- the only key. Is it? It's literally the only key. Besides, obviously, having a talent. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, not everyone can be a professional basketball player, right? Sure. Not everybody can be an entrepreneur. Not every like I, Brendan's not going to be a basketball player. I'm not going to be a baker. I'm not going to be Gordon Ramsay. I don't know how to cook for shit, and that's okay. We can't. <laughs> we can't be world class at everything. But I YouTube, agree. coaching people, speaking workshops, being on a podcast—that's my thing. I can definitely do that really well, and people just need to figure out what they're really good at. Did you grow a passion or did the passion grow over time when you were doing this and seeing the channel grow? Have you always started off like this? Because I hear the passion in your voice and you're, you're super overwhelming when, when it comes to this stuff, which is awesome. Uh, I appreciate it, bro. Uh, so great, great question. Here, here's the way I would think about this. So my passion grew over time, but let me be very specific with what I mean. Right. So when I started college at 19, if you had told me that, A, I was going to get my six-figure dream job, which I thought was impossible already, but Mm -hmm. then tell me that I was going to quit that job to start a YouTube channel and coach (laughs) people and be a business owner, then I would have thought you had a mental illness. I was like, there's something something really wrong with this Jay guy or somebody else. Like, not you're telling me, A, I'm going to get the job, so I already think you're crazy. And then you're going to tell me I'm going to quit the job? Like, come on. Like, (laughs) what? We're not friends. Goodbye. Yeah, like there's something wrong. Like I would just bring this person. Like I'd bring this person to a hospital or something. Get them some help. (laughs) And that's exactly what happened in my life. I, I I wanted the job. So what happened? I started doing these case competitions, not because I had a passion for it, because I knew if I did them, the executives would see me. They would see me present well, and they would give me job opportunities that my parents couldn't get me because my parents were factory workers. I didn't know anybody in the business world, so I had to build my network from scratch. So I did that. But then after Jay, I got the job. I got really good at communication. And I said, oh, shit. Like, I'm actually really good at coaching people. And when I looked back in those last three years, you know, Steve Jobs always says you can only connect the dots backwards, never forward. I realized that I fucking love coaching. Like, that's what I did for three years for free. I got to I'm trying yeah, to jump in. I'm trying to figure out what the hell you just said about that Steve Jobs, because that just made my brain do fireworks. Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Of course, of course. Holy of course, shit, man. bro. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. Sorry, I kind of go through insights really quickly. So I'm glad you jumped in there. Yeah. So yeah, Steve Jobs said in a graduation speech that you could never connect the dots forward. You could only connect the dots backwards. Yeah. So what does that mean? That means like you can, you'll never know exactly where you'll land five years from now. Yes. But the worst thing you can do is not make decisions. God so I'll give you an damn. example with me. Okay, to make this super clear. 
Okay. So I went because you know my story now. So I went from twelve year old kid who yeah. wanted to be an accountant. So to become an accountant, I went to business <laughs> school. Yes. And then I went to business school at nineteen. I realized that to get a job at a business school, it wasn't about grades. It was about talking. It was about smooth like schmoozing like executives mm-hmm. so the best way to schmooze was to do these weird these things i had no idea was which case competition i said okay fuck it let's do some case competition and then i do these case competitions i get the job and then i go oh shit i'm like the youngest communication coach on earth and then i created master talk but here's the point bro is i wouldn't have been able to look at my 12 year old self and say i'm gonna start master talk in 10 years that doesn't make any sense hell no if I never made the decision to be an accountant, I never would have went to business right. school. If I never yeah. would have went to business school, I never would have done case competitions. And I wouldn't even have the expertise to even have a conversation with you today. And that's the point that people get um, get stuck in is they think they have the final answer. They need to come up with it right away. But the mistake is they just don't take action. It's so crazy, man. It's so crazy. Human life is so goddamn crazy. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, man. Like, honestly, if you look like just – take a look at us and look back at your your life and all the the choices that you made like you could have gone down road a or roy road b and what would my have life would have been like if i would have chose road b instead of road a like all of these things you can think of and it can drive you fucking crazy i don't do that thank god because i like i'm pretty happy with myself i'm like everything i've been doing i'm doing for a reason i feel so good about what i'm doing and where i'm at Every mistake I've made in the past, fine. That built me to who I am today, and I love myself today. So everything that happened had to have happened. Otherwise, I would not be in this position today. 100%, bro. I love your perspective. And it's like it's so simple. It's weird if you think about it. I think we met on Matchmaker. Like, Let's say you weren't even on that platform. Like, we'd, yes. like it just This conversation wouldn't exist either. So it's like the power of serendipity. And just, oh, you just being on that platform and me messaging you and you seeing that message, you're going, yeah, dope, let's do this. And 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 it's those 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 ideas. So we just got to keep rolling with the punches, man. I think that's the key. I think Most so. people just do nothing. That's what makes me, yeah, that's what makes me an optimist about the future is like having conversations like this with you. Like this opens, I love getting other people's perspective because I say it all the time on the podcast, but all I know is my shoes and what I've walked through. Like that's, in my opinion, that's no way to live. Like powerful. So many other people have lived so many different lives than what I've lived. And I want I want to learn from each individual that I can. Like everyone that comes on this podcast, I'm taking away a little bit and I'm able to let that marinate in me and I can bring that to other people, you know. I'm the exact same way as you. I, I think the the key to life, the only principle that really makes sense at the end of the day is radical open mindedness. Because if you don't have that open-mindedness, you won't be able to move forward towards what your core purpose, your destiny, mm. whatever you want to do in life. Think about me. Like the biggest – the hardest decision I made in my life, dude, was by far quitting my corporate job. And and it wasn't because of the money, though it was a lot of money I gave up on. It was <laughs> crazy, bro. It was, it was changing my identity. I had to yeah. go from the guy who wanted that corporate job who was going to be one of the most successful executives to – to like literally cutting my salary by 70% and Whoa. trying to make a business work. 
And that was the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. I think the only other decision that will be harder than that is picking the person I'm going to marry. And we'll touch base in 10 years to see if I figure that shit out. But we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> I got see. your information, man. I'm going to hunt you down. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to know about this for sure. That's so crazy, man. Um, what do you think some of the, the negative implications are from not being well-versed in public speaking. We've been talking about all the success, but what do you think some of the, the negatives are? Like if, if you're not well-versed in this. There's a lot of things I can cover here, Jay, but I think the most important one, dude, is is the quality of your life will just go down. And the reason I say that is I don't mean people, – people don't all need to speak on a stage. You know, That's not the point True, of my right. message. Right, right. The point of my message is like – we can, there's a place for all of us to be better communicators because it helps us have better conversations with our family. It helps us raise our children better. It helps us be nicer to the waiter who had a shitty day, right? Yep. And just smiling a little bit. It's about Im- and meeting new friends. It's about improving the quality of our life. So that's why I always default back to how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? The reason I leave that question open-minded, Jay – oh, sorry, open-ended, not open-minded uh-huh. – is because everyone's answer is different to that question. You might say, hey, like I want to get better at being a podcast host, though you're doing a great job. You know, Somebody else might say like, oh, I want to get a, my next promotion at work. Somebody right. else might say I want to be a better mother for my children. Everyone's got their thing. I think the key is that question helps you open up to what you want in life, who's already achieved what you want in life. And then the third question that we don't think to question is simply what type of communicator is the person that already has what you want in life? Yeah, that's whew, man. You really have put some time into this shit. Yeah, man, dude, I got a lot more life to go, man. God, I got that's the scariest part. I got a it lot. It really more life is to go. because I guess what you're what you're saying is true about like the the people that have been posting public speaking stuff on YouTube because I've watched some stuff and I mean I'm learning a shit ton from you in just these 45 minutes, like Thanks, right bro. off the bat. For sure. Yeah, you're you're able to articulate it in a way. And I'm sure that you're dynamic with it. So I'm sure for each person that you talk to, you kind of use different words or you you make sure that I'm absorbing it, right? Each person is absorbing it in a way that fits them best. It's like custom made conversations. Very sharp observation. You're absolutely right. I realized two minutes in this conversation, you're a very casual guy. This is a very casual podcast. So yeah. my tone changed really quickly from mm-hmm. like super professional to yep. now I'm swearing and I and I sound like a hillbilly. So so everyone's <laughs> everyone's different. But like literally the podcast before this, funny enough, because I because you mentioned it, was mm-hmm. I'm I was speaking to healthcare professionals. Oh, like Jesus. doctors and physicists. So I'm not talking like this. I'm not going, yo, what the fuck? Like, right, right. <laughs> no, I'm saying all of you have an opportunity to change. And like my YouTube channel is really PR. And I do that on purpose because yes. I want five-year-olds to watch my content. I don't want parents of, even if I'm not religious, I don't want parents of religious families to say, hey, you can't watch Brendan on Master Talk, the YouTube channel. Because that's not the point. The point of my my message is I want everyone else to hear it. But for this specific message that we're talking to, I can speak to you in an informal way and swear because your audience wants that from you and expects that from you because yes. that's your style. So that makes sense. Actually, my style, like I will have professionals on this podcast as well. So for some podcasts, I will speak in a professional manner, but with you seemed more my age. So I too was kind of 
listening how you were speaking. So I guess that we were. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I just got like an energy from you, and I started getting like slang with it, and just like like fuck it, man. It's ten o'clock at night. Let's kick the boots off and just like be be who we are and whatever, you know. Literally, man. Yeah. So it seems like a that's got to be an art in itself. Would you say like being able to, to change the way we communicate because of who we're talking to? Oh yeah. It's a very difficult art to master. I think the key is communication. is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. So you want to start with one ball at a time, right? I wouldn't start right away with knowing this because what the, the stuff that we're doing right now, like adapting like chameleons, it can be really yeah. exhausting for most people. Like I did that 15 different times just today. Cause I had like seven sales calls. I had like it's five. It's so interviews. exhausting, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. This is actually no, pretty natural. Like the, the state I'm in right now talking is pretty natural, but I meant more in the sense of like when I show up for my YouTube channel, things like that. Yes. And the reason is because I care a lot about the person who's listening to my message. Yes. So I want to make sure it's kind of like uh, the question yeah, that no one thinks about. Let's think about like, Oh, you had a question. Jump in Jay. Oh, I was just going to say it's awareness. Yeah. Complete awareness. Oh yeah. Like, like I'll give you a quick one on this. Like, let's say Justin Bieber, right? The mm -hmm. question that people don't ask themselves when Justin's, let's say signing autographs and giving people hugs and shaking their hands is does Justin Bieber actually like every single person he's shaking hands with? And statistically the answer has to be no. Has like to be, there's yeah. no way no. that he can like every person, but he's still smiling. He's still being respectful, especially older Justin. Now he's more mature, right? right. Because right. He, he knows that he has a responsibility. He knows that he needs to treat them like like really important and be nice to them because they admire him. They look up to him as a role model, even if it's exhausting to him. And most people just right. can't do it because because they their why isn't big enough. Yeah. So my close friends, like they they all have uh, what's the word like a sailor's mouth or whatever it is where they swear all the time. So right. when I'm talking to them, I'm always swearing, and I'm in the hockey locker room like there's constant swearing oh right? yeah okay yeah so and then what my job is i talk to c-level executives at my professional job oh do like, you yeah yeah dude, you never yeah. you never cease to amaze me man yeah. <laughs> my goodness yeah so i work for a company called aci worldwide it's digital payments and cryptocurrency and it's, it's my job to prospect out who could be a fit and the people i go after are c-level like i'm trying to talk to ceos or cmos coos yada 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 so when i'm having those conversations like yeah it's a it's a different kind of ball game there but i'm always i'm always on the ball man like i can i can speak pretty damn well when it comes down to it but it's it's and I guess I've never really put too much thought into it. I have, but not too much thought about the ability that I have to take my conversations from a C-level, very professional, to a hockey locker room. And how it doesn't cross sometimes is beyond me. Like accidentally <laughs> slip up. It, it never happens. It never happens. It's mm. so interesting. I think that makes sense, though. You you definitely seem to be someone who has high EQ. Because same thing with me, like when I'm in front of my C-level clients, because my clients know I talk like this when I'm on some podcast. They, they're not right. like unaware of this. But when I'm talking to like B2B clients, I'm I'm definitely quick to just re-switch into that mode. 
because we've just practiced especially i think i remember you saying you're you're in bd you're in sales yeah so that makes sense right you got to adapt to different personalities you need to have a knack for it wow the brain is so fascinating isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it brings me back to like communication has always been a part of life and i'm not just talking about like the people we are today but way back like neanderthals like when they were using grunts right so certain grunts would probably have a value attached to it i'd imagine and everyone in the tribe collectively agreed on that Act like language is actually fucking crazy if you think about it oh yeah i definitely agree i think that nonverbal communication the way we we it's crazy how much we can say without saying anything yes Right. Like yes. if somebody asks you how your day was and you say good, but you're not smiling, you're telling people something different than what you're saying, which is. <laughs> good Lord, man. There's rumors floating around that like eventually we're not going to need to speak verbally with each other. Like, you know, about Neuralink. Neuralink. <laughs> yeah, that's right. a long ways away, brother. It's yeah, a long know, ways I away. I, know, I don't like, think I don't think that's in our lifetimes. No, for sure. Definitely not. But it's still fascinating, right? Like, is there ever going to be a universal language i i think well i mean i don't have strong opinions on this but i definitely think the way that i understand technology i definitely feel we're evolving into a society where there might be and the reason is because a lot of the ai algos recently now they're able to the translation part of how we communicate now is language is getting a lot better. I don't know if you heard about this tech where it's like you have this technology around your necklace and, and somebody speaks into it in a foreign language and it translates what you want to say back to you. Like, Oh my God. It's pretty nuts. No. And then you speak into it in English and then it like re communicates back to that person, which is like wild. Is it accurate? I don't know. I haven't done much work into it, but I've I've seen some just some stuff on YouTube, and I was like, "Oh shit! Like this is seems accurate," <laughs> but and I don't know the languages they're speaking, so I wouldn't know. It's a prototype, or is it already out? I think it's a prototype. God, that would change the world. I don't know I mean, much about it to be honest, but based okay. on your question, because your question was around like, do you think there'll be a universal language? I definitely think we're trending towards that. I th do I think we'll see it in our lifetimes? <sighs> Dude, beats me, man. Yeah. Who knows? It I mean, it would make the most sense. It's it's so wild that different areas have different languages and different accents, which is even more fucking bizarre to me. Like the accents. Right. Have you any idea where that comes from? Hmm. Accents, I would say, is very, is very contextual to the culture that you're in. So that's why people in the UK have very different accents in English than people in the US because of the heritage and the people who who live there so yeah i think but certain I think that's parts only... of the u.s like for specifically boston i was thinking of like they have a crazy wicked accent and it's how, how did it become like that that's a good question i, I think the only logical answer I, I don't have the best answer today but i think the most logical one would just be their ancestors right the people before sure. them just had that that accent like i always thought of myself like <laughs> shit like if i was born in the in the uk i'd have like a british accent like wouldn't that be yeah well fascinating even if you travel somewhere and, and live somewhere right you start to pick up on that accent right absolutely i definitely think a lot of that is true yeah yeah well shit brandon's been about an hour man i mean it was, it was a fucking wonderful conversation you, you taught me a lot you i'm sure the listeners 
grabbed a lot from this. I appreciate it. Um, I usually give the uh, last minute here to go ahead and show out some of your social media. If you have any books, which you probably should write if you haven't, you should do that. <laughs> uh, your YouTube channel, whatever. Let's go for ahead sure, and show Jay. It out. Th- yeah. Thanks for making my night, man. This is exactly what I needed to end my day. My goodness. I'm, <laughs> I'm so happy you're a super fun interview. So super happy and grateful. So yeah, two ways to keep in touch. And yeah, hopefully I'll write a book in the next 10 years. I'll let you know when I do. <laughs> uh, YouTube is going to be master talking one word. And then the other thing that I do is I do a, a workshop on, on Zoom that's free. That's uh, around communication. It's a 90-minute call. It's not some boring webinar. I'm the one facilitating it. So if you want to jump in on that, just go to rockstarcommunicator.com. Beautiful. I just wrote that. Uh, I'm going to do that. I'll see you there. Yeah, I'm man. Gonna jump in, bro. Yeah, I will for sure. Awesome, man. Yeah, stay in touch. I appreciate it. Again, Brennan, man, so much knowledge. Appreciate it. I can't wait to read your book in 10 years and see who you married. <laughs> dude, dude, pray for me, man. Pray I'm for praying. me. I'm praying. I'll put a I'm praying right now, bro. <laughs> my, my goodness. <laughs> Everyone at home, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>